What is going on? Happy Monday. Welcome to the show. Pete Callender here. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Thanks a lot for hanging out. I appreciate it. The phone numbers, as always, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Hope you had a great weekend. I actually got over to uh, see one of the uh, the Charlotte uh, football club games on Saturday. I got to see the soccer game. And... Uh, Went with some friends. They have some. They had the tickets, and they were like, "Hey, you want to come? We've got these extra pair of tickets." And I said, "Sure, I'd love to go." So Christy and I went. We had a good time, and uh, we did not sit in the super fan section. Uh, although uh, uh, Christy did uh, throw a beer on something, so that was not the right section for it. completely accidental as well. But uh, but that happened. Also, uh, special shout out to the jerk in front of me who decided to watch the entire game with his arms draped across both of the chairs to his left and his right. And so his arms are like hanging. You've been in Panther Stadium. Like, there's not a lot of room between the rows, you know. So the guy's got his arms over the chairs, over the backs of the chairs, and his elbow is like hitting my water bottle that's sitting in the front seat, in the front of the, or, you know, in the little cup holder, and his hands are all over Christie's beer can. It's just like, no, that's she did not dump the beer on that guy. It was she sat down in the seat, and the guy behind, uh, the guy behind uh, his beer fell out of the little cup holder because apparently they haven't figured out that the cup holders are too big for the beer cans. Have you noticed this? It's an engineer fail right there. Who did who did not do their due diligence on that? Maybe maybe we need a whole new stadium. How about that? Let's build a whole new stadium uh, and just to fix the cup holder problem. Um, just throwing it out there. It was for, uh, my friends, like I said, we had a great time. And uh, they were apologetic, though. They, they kept saying, oh, you know, we because they lost. The Charlotte team lost. And uh, they said, they're really very good. I said, oh, no, it was entertaining. It was much better than uh, what, you know, the soccer games I've been watching for the last five years with my nephews, you know, in what do they call them? The Pee Wee Leagues and whatever, where it's just like a whole mess of kids that just like move around the the field all around the ball. It's like a it looks like almost like an amoeba. It's just kind of following a ball just randomly, kicking each other's shins and stuff. So this was far superior. Uh just like there were passes and there was a guy who did some sort of a bicycle kick looking thing. It's very impressive. Um and I told them don't apologize. That they didn't, Charlotte didn't score any goals. I am aware, like, it's soccer. You don't score goals in soccer. That's, I'm just kidding. It, it's a soccer joke. They lost zero to two. Anyway, first day of school. Welcome back to school, everybody, in person. And uh, super spreader day that it is. No, I'm just kidding. Um, CMS opening a bunch of new schools here for the first time. Well, a couple. Uh, they got three replacement schools coming online. They got two new schools coming online. The replacements are uh, for Shamrock Gardens Elementary School. That was my old stomping ground. I used to live and uh, vote, right? I used to vote at Shamrock Gardens. And uh, uh, Lansdowne Elementary opening after its renovation work, as well as West Charlotte High School reopening their doors uh, today after construction. We've got uh, the new schools, Mint Hill Elementary, which is, uh, ironically enough, in Mint Hill. And Palisades High School, those are my other old stomping grounds, uh, down in the Steel Creek area. Mint Hill Elementary School, 45 classrooms, according to WBTV. 
uh, funded by the bond that was approved back in 2017 uh, as a relief school for Bain, Lebanon Road, Piney Grove, Crown Point, and possibly Matthews Elementary Schools. And Palisades uh, is uh, going to relieve overcrowding at Olympic High as well as Harding University High Schools. So those are the new schools online in CMS. Um, Meanwhile, we have an elected official in uh, North Carolina who uh, called for teachers to walk out, to walk out of the classroom, really stick it to the kids there. I mean, the General Assembly or parents? Not really sure. Yeah, so this is over teacher pay. I saw also over the weekend they did some sort of a, quote, rally at the uh, legislature, the NCAE, the Teachers Union, don't call it a union. Um, Yeah, they did some sort of a rally, and the only photo I saw of the event was the two people on the stage, and there was quite a bit of grass that was not occupied by human beings. Not sure how many people attended the rally, but uh, they did that as well. They want a cut of the surplus. That's what's going on. There was a budget surplus because those evil Republicans ah, cut taxes and it increased revenue. It's just crazy the way that just keeps happening all over the place. You reduce taxes, you get more economic activity, and the, the, the state coffers actually grow. It's truly astounding how many times you can provide this lesson to leftists and they just don't ever learn it. Citing thousands of open teacher positions and a $6 billion state budget surplus, Buncombe County's Board of Commissioner member Amanda Edwards called for a statewide teacher's walkout. Edwards first made the comments on the Asheville City School District uh, uh, Wide Parent Group. Is that the name of the Facebook group? That's a stupid name. Anyway, Asheville City Schools District Wide. They're separate words. I don't know why they would be different words. District Wide Parent Group. Or maybe it's just a... Oh, Maybe it's a it may be just a Facebook group for for husky parents. For wide parents. Yeah. I mean they could be like they could be a very thin depth. Sort of like a flat Stanley figure. But that seems to be a kind of limited population that you're going for. If you're trying to build, you know, a movement, I'm not sure wide parents is the movement. That they would all join. But what do I know? So it's a private Facebook group. And somebody else on the group chat said something. We need to do something. Call for action. And uh, they started their school district. uh, Or uh, Asheville started their school today as well. Just like Charlotte Mecklenburg. And Edwards then responded. Quote. The time is right for a statewide teacher strike. Which is a walkout. But not. But not really. A strike. What is the difference between a strike and a walkout? A strike is what you don't come back, I guess. So a walkout is just a temporary strike. See, there's a bit of a problem here. You're not allowed to strike. Public employees not allowed to strike in North Carolina, right? With over 6,000 vacancies, she says, there's no way anyone can justify firing teachers for walking out. 
With that many vacancies and a massive rainy day fund, there is a huge opportunity to get what is deserved. And to this suggestion, I merely say, do it. Do it. For real, do it. But then again, I'm not your ally on this. But I would like to see you do it because I think the way forward would be helpful. It would be helped along, let's say, uh, by even more anger directed towards the teachers union. I do. I think that the angrier people got during COVID over the abuses that they saw occurring, uh, I think that that actually inspired a lot more people to take a more active role in their child's education. People, I think a lot of parents kind of woke up, if you will. And uh, I think the more the teachers strike and hurt kids, I think it convinces more parents to get their kids out of the government monopoly system. And that's what I would prefer to see. So please do it. I support this idea of a statewide teacher strike. I'm sure nothing could go wrong. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Just want to make you aware. Um, it's a misdemeanor for teachers to go out on strike. Punishable by, uh, like, jail time and fines. So just want to... Make everybody aware of that as I do this story of a uh, local elected official calling for teachers to strike. Although when asked about it by a reporter, she kind of walked back the language. Uh, she walked it back to a walkout. So I'm not saying a strike, even though I said strike in the Facebook group for the wide parents. I said, well, okay, maybe district wide parents. But she clearly said strike. The time is right for a statewide teacher strike. And uh, she noted that in West Virginia in 1990, striking teachers shut down all 55 counties. And she had a personal connection to that strike. Quote, as a teenager, I stood beside my mother, a career educator that week. And I will stand by, by uh, beside you. All right, this is poorly written. So I'm going to start that sentence again. As, maybe she's writing for the eye, not the ear, but she has too many commas. As a teenager, I stood beside my mother, a career educator, that week, and I will stand beside you all should you choose to do it. I mean, to the point where like, she's not going to go to jail for you because you know, she's not an educator that's going to get a misdemeanor charge against her. But uh, she said her mother and educators secured better pay and benefits in that walkout. The Carolina Journal has reported that North Carolina had a $6 billion budget surplus this year when the uh, final budget was adopted at the end of July. Of that total, $2 billion is expected to be recurring. And the rainy day fund balance is projected to be $4.75 billion at the end of the two-year budget cycle. So always keep this in mind. This is a two-year budget in North Carolina. So this is an increase. So it's a $4.75 billion rainy day budget or rainy day fund. That is an increase from 4.25. So it's went from four and a quarter to four and three quarters of a billion dollars. So $500 million, right? 
a $1 billion state inflationary reserve was also created in anticipation of a recession. So this is what conservatives do when they come into money is they, you know, through the surplus, through higher than expected revenue, they put it in a reserve fund and they let it sit there for when an emergency arises. And had Democrats budgeted in the same way, they might still actually have control of the state legislature at this point. Because the reason, one of the biggest reasons they lost in 2010, well, I mean, aside from the corruption and all of that, but uh, the Great Recession hit. And when the Great Recession hit, they had to furlough teachers. They froze their pay, their step pay raises. They froze their pay. And the teachers that were part of that uh, fro- that uh, that freeze, they never got brought back to what they should have gotten, right? Their schedule, what they were on track to make, and then it got frozen. They never made that up. They never, they, nobody ever went back and said, well, "Let's backfill what you were promised." Republicans came in and they overhauled the entire step pay system, and so now teachers are guaranteed a thousand dollar a year increase for the first fifteen years of their career. So instead of like six steps or whatever it was when Democrats controlled it and they would come at like really random times. You would get one after like two years and then one after six years and one after seven and just random amounts and stuff. And what Republicans did was said, no, we're going to make this a uh, predictable thousand dollar a year step increase every single year. You're guaranteed. Just don't get fired and you're guaranteed a thousand dollar a year pay raise. And that's just from the state level. That's just from the state. You have the local supplements on top of all of this. Okay, so you have this county commissioner in Buncombe named Amanda Edwards, and she's encouraging a walkout, she says, when asked by a reporter, more so than a longer-lasting strike. She says it's unfortunate that our educators are not being heard for what they need and for why people are leaving the state of North Carolina. Wait, people are leaving the state of North Carolina? Is that why we got an additional congressional seat? No, no, people are coming to North Carolina. Now, there are teachers who leave the profession and go teach in other states. And when you read the exit surveys, you find out why. You find out why teachers leave. You know why they leave? It's to go take other teaching gigs inside the states. Like the number one or number two, maybe number one is retirement. And then number two is I'm going to go take a job in another district in the state. Number three is I'm going to go take another job in a district in a different state because my family relocated there. Because... Being a teacher is more portable, you know? It's more of a portable gig. All right, we'll go into some more of these numbers. Also, phonics. The left has rediscovered phonics. Thank God, because I don't know if we could deal with another generation of kids being so far behind in reading. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So uh, the Democrat philosophy on uh, budgeting, particularly in uh, North Carolina over the last 20 years, uh, has always been see a penny, spend a penny. Any revenue that comes in, uh, let's spend it at the state level. And that is how they ended up with a multi-billion dollar budget gap, structural deficits. Uh, That's why they had to withhold people's uh, tax refunds one year. They withheld money that... Uh, was supposed to go back to uh, the cities. So like the, the 
the state collects all of the this tax revenue and then it gives back certain percentages based on the sales tax cut it's supposed to give them back to the cities there was like the franchise tax fee or whatever and that was supposed to go back to the cities but they needed it to balance their budget and so they just kept it and they made the cities balance essentially the state budgets that's how democrats govern because they made reckless promises and they put the state finances on this unsustainable trajectory so republicans win control and the first thing they i mean they win control in 2010 so it's sort of the the wreckage of the great recession they start implementing tax reforms they start slashing the corporate income tax rate the personal income tax rate they uh uh they eliminated the uh quote temporary sales taxes that democrats put in uh in place but then never sunsetted they just kept extending them because we you know well as soon as we got the revenue we spent it see a penny spend a penny so now you have a budget surplus, as we have had in most years under the Republican plan. And by the way, their budget keeps growing. We're now at like, uh, what's the total budget here? I have the, it's like 20, I want to say it's like 26 billion. Yeah, 26 billion. And uh, it was like 20, 10 years ago. So the budget continues to grow. The number one funding priority continues to be education. 60% of all of the funding goes for education. In K-12, it's 41%. So 41 cents out of every dollar goes to K-12 education. Health and Human Services, number two, um, behind total ed. And then Justice and Public Safety comes in third with just 13% of the budget. And then everything after that is just 3%, 2%. It's all single-digit stuff. That. 60% is for education, 23% for health and human services, 13% for justice and public safety. Those are the top priorities. So now you have a budget surplus. And what the Republicans are saying is we have a rainy day fund, which we had to draw down on because of COVID. So let's make sure that we have, we resupply the rainy day fund and let's put in place a, uh, an inflation fund, a state inflationary reserve. In case inflation starts eating up so much of, you know, our budget for things like gasoline, for our, you know, highway patrol cruisers, stuff like that. And what Democrats are advocating is that, well, you got this, you got this surplus this year, so let's spend it. Let's spend it. Let's allocate it for ongoing expenses, teacher pay, which is reckless. You... You're making commitments. It's like saying, hey, you know what? I got a, I got a bonus, so let me go ahead and uh, increase uh, my uh, cable package. Does anybody even have cable anymore? Anyway, no, let's, let's, let's add more channels. Well, you're adding more channels. That's an ongoing expense, but your one-time bonus, that's one time. You don't know if that's ongoing. You're not going to get another bonus next year. You don't know that. Citizen Times, the newspaper out in Asheville, where this uh, commissioner lives, paints a troubling portrait of the school district. It's a city district. They're not a merged district. So the city school district, escalating vacancies, staffing woes exacerbated by burnout, toxic workplace culture, and inadequate pay. Toxic workplace culture. Hey, guys, I'm just going to throw this out there, just spitballing on uh, on this, but um, is it possible, just possible, that maybe filtering everything through the prisms of race and gender and making everybody 
super anxious, nervous around everybody else about saying the wrong thing, getting in trouble, getting fired, getting canceled, whatever, that maybe that's creating some negative side effects. What do you think for the workplace? You think maybe, I mean, seriously, there were only so many radicals that you can staff in the schools. I mean, just the pool gets exhausted at some point, right? What? Because it's very clear you you do not prefer to have people of a, a, of a right-leaning philosophy among the ranks, particularly in the Asheville City Schools. I can attest to that. So maybe you guys are causing some of these shortages yourselves, just throwing that out there, not to mention the bureaucratic micromanagement. School principal out in Oakland, California, a fellow by the name of Kareem Weaver. Kareem Weaver helped lead the charge to implement old-fashioned, explicit, systematic reading instruction using phonics. He summarized it like this, quote, We teach you the sounds of language to make sure you know what you're hearing, and then we'll teach you how to hear them accurately. We'll treat language like a puzzle, and we're going to figure it out. But Weaver faced pushback from teachers who were often on different pages because many of them received conflicting training in their reading methods courses at their universities. Quote, professors who teach those classes are islands onto themselves, he said. There were growing pains in persuading teachers to switch back to phonics-based reading. For those who have been using the contemporary method for a while, this was all they knew, he said. Universities teach it. Books, materials, publishers teach it. No one has challenged their thinking, but they have no explanation for why kids aren't reading. Prior to their reversion to the traditional model, Oakland schools, like thousands across the country, derive their learning-to-read curricula from the mind of Lucy Calkins, the so-called literacy expert who for years championed creative teaching. That favors the whole-language approach. That's what they call it, the whole-language approach. Leaves only a minor role for phonics, which she dismisses as drill-and-kill. Her reading-teaching style aimed to unleash the child's self-expression and inner voice by empowering them to choose books that represent and resonate with them. I don't know how they know it resonates with them when they can't read them, but I digress. Critics have noted that such an identity-oriented approach resembles social-emotional learning, the progressive mental health pedagogy or method of learning. The mental health pedagogy that emerged in many school districts over the pandemic in which they claim is used to smuggle critical race theory into early childhood education. Skeptical of direct teaching in which the teacher lectures at the front of the room, Calkins promoted child-led discussion and small group work. Slight problem. That denied a lot of disadvantaged kids professional instruction that they couldn't get from their peers, right? You know, your classmate, I mean, think about sitting next to you, you're in third grade, second grade. Uh, I mean, do, do you remember your, your peers back then? I mean, I do. I'm not sure that I, I'm not sure I would have learned a whole lot from them. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I would have learned some things from them. For example, the, the taste of boogers might have been one of the, okay, all right. Lucy Calkins, literacy expert, she's apparently the reason why all of the school districts moved away from 
those that did moved away from phonics. And um, there is now, I think, ample evidence to show that her method that everybody adopted was terrible and didn't do the thing that uh, they thought it would do, and that's being charitable. I also recognize that there is a recurring pattern in education, uh, in the education industry. I I, uh, first noticed it with uh, not Common Core. Uh, It was the uh, George Bush era, No Child Left Behind. But then came Common Core. Then there's this uh, direct, or not direct teaching, but the uh, whole language thing. About every, I don't know, it just, it seems like every eight years. There, I don't know if it's tied to elections or anything like that. I'm not making this a partisan deal. But in the industry, it just seems about every eight to ten years, there's this brand new thing that we're going to implement that this is going to change the stuff. And then they implement all these changes. It doesn't fix the problem. It takes eight to ten years to figure that out. And then it's like, we got the next new thing. Let's do that instead. There was this uh, National Review piece by Caroline Downey, who spoke with Kareem Weaver, former school principal in Oakland, California, who talked about the, the story opens up where he's uh, called into this classroom where this uh, little girl is uh, is acting up. She's being disruptive. She's refusing to participate in the uh, class exercises and all. And what, ha- and what was going on was that she's in tears because the teacher has her in this sort of guessing game where she was stumped by the word stone. She kept saying rock, and the picture was a stone. And she's getting frustrated because she can't figure this out, and then she misbehaves. And so now you've turned it into a disruption problem, a discipline problem. Skeptical of direct teaching, where a teacher lectures in the front of the room, this uh, Lucy Calkins literacy expert promoted child-led discussion and small group work denying many disadvantaged kids intimate professional instruction that peers can't provide. Despite the lack of independent research supporting her program, it was endorsed and accepted nationwide until it wasn't. With the rise of the science of reading, the idea derived from neuroscience that literacy should be broken down into basic building blocks so the brain can digest it. New research now confirms that phonics is the most effective known method for teaching kids to read, something hundreds of classical schools knew all along. Everybody knew this. What I, I don't have kids, but I knew this. I knew parents that were teaching their kids to read, and they would, I'd see them do it. They, All right, sound it out. Let's make the sound. Sound that out. You learn the sounds first because... You don't know what the letter is. You don't know what the word is. Calkins recently revised her conclusions now and curriculum as well to reemphasize the foundational skills of sounding out words and linking those sounds to written letters. More school districts are now catching up to the facts. They're seeing academic breakthroughs. But for some students, it may be too late. When tried and true, uh, structured literacy is abandoned, there is often a psychological price paid by the students. So if the words on the page are not computing in the brain, some kids start to internalize the idea that maybe 
they're at fault. And that little girl that was being disruptive under the table, she started thinking in that Oakland school, she was thinking she's dumb. And then that made her act up. And as Weaver said, the principal of that school, he said, so now we have a psychological and a literacy problem. And get this, affluent communities, they figured out that the whole language learning, yeah, that didn't work. They, they figured that out. And so they voted with their feet and their pocketbooks. They, uh, they hired tutors. Wealthy families in Beverly Hills and Palo Alto, they outsourced help. Parents with money, he said, their kids aren't reading either, but they got private tutoring. Rich parents won't let their kids fail, which then, of course, masks the failure of the pedagogy, the whole language pedagogy, because now you got kids that are getting extra help and they're learning. And so they get to point to the overall scores and say, oh, see, it's working when it wasn't. Dr. Kerry Wright, former superintendent of Mississippi, all schools in Mississippi. Back in 2014, Mississippi was ranked 50th in the nation for K-12 achievement, which is, that's why so many states had as their official motto, thank God for Mississippi. I'm just kidding. Mississippi is fine. They're a lot better now, actually, because Mississippi sent literacy coaches to train teachers in the schools where academic performance was the worst. It was so popular Teachers felt it was the best professional development they've ever had. Higher grade level teachers were also interested. And over the next few years, Mississippi school system reverted uh, reverted to the traditional five pillars of reading. They included phonemic, phonemic, phonemic awareness. See, I sounded that out. I didn't know how to pronounce it, so I just sounded it out. That's how that worked. Okay. The identification and manipulation of sounds. So phonics, number one. Number two, the identification of letters with sounds. Fluency, comprehension, and vocabulary. That was in 2014 they started this. By 2019, when the NAEP scores came out, the, uh, the, the nation's report cards, they call it, the National Assessment of Education Progress, five years later, they started calling it the Mississippi Miracle. It was ranked first in the nation for gains in fourth grade reading. That principal of Oakland, he said, whatever your philosophy and ideology, you have to see that it has to work for kids. And phonics, it just works. See, this is this is the problem with a national standard, is the mistakes get replicated everywhere. <laughs>